Welcome to the Remembering Ethan podcast. I'm Chris Tafoya. My guest today is Jay Allen, who is a singer-songwriter based in Phoenix. Jay and Ethan were very close friends and performed together on multiple occasions, most notably with the band Delcoa. Jay and I met Ethan around the same time, so as long as I've known Ethan, Jay has always been around, and he is a good friend of mine as well. Although Jay and I never performed together, we would go see each other's shows, and we spent a lot of time off stage hanging out as well. We both have many wonderful memories of Ethan, and I enjoyed speaking with him. So here's my conversation with Jay. I hope you enjoy it. Jay Allen, dude, you get more handsome every year. Stop it, man. You're a, you're a beautiful, beautiful man yourself. It's good to see you, man. Hey, likewise, Jay. Yeah, I'm trying to remember last time I seen you, man. I mean, dude. I see you on... on on Facebook all the time, you know, you guys doing your thing with JTN3, which is awesome, by the way. But um, it's different to like actually have your face here in front of me. Dude, exactly. And, and hearing your voice a lot lately, has, it's just like getting to see your face. And uh, I'm, I miss your face. And it's really good to see you, man. Yeah, you too, Jay. Right on, man. Well, um, I've been really excited to talk to you. And so let's, let's get into her. But before we talk about Ethan, why don't you let anyone that might be listening know what you've been up to musically? Um, I have been pretty much constantly uh, still playing and gigging and doing uh, music nonstop. Um, I'm still doing solo thing uh, a fair amount. And the Uncommon Good is still still kicking when we can all play together. Um, but the, the passion project and the priority has been... Um, JTM3 lately, which is, uh, we actually just played a festival today. We played Oktoberfest down at Tempe Town Lake, and it was phenomenal. And the band is basically myself, Tony King, uh, and Matt Henderson, uh, who I believe, but you've talked to both of them. Um, two of my best friends in the entire world uh, that met with and through Ethan. Um, so that connection, I mean, every, everybody that I've met in this, in this music scene, which I will get to was uh, through Ethan, but yeah, JTM three is the, the main project right now. We're releasing and recording a lot of new music. Uh, we're gigging a ton and we've got a lot coming up on the horizon, which is uh, phenomenal. We got to, we have other members that are kind of in it with us a lot. Mr. Brendan McBride, who's uh, filling the, the, the bass shoes when we're doing full band stuff. And uh, Ted Belladin on keys and sax quite a bit as well. And yeah, other than that, and I'm still doing tons of solo gigs, still gigging like six, seven nights a week, sometimes two, three gigs a day. And all in the uh, road warrior. I was trained by the best, man. You know the guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a hefty schedule, man. I'm, I'm a little bit um, envious. Over here, you know, it's been a lot of years since I've done, you know, it was, it was interesting because when I left Phoenix, uh, Ethan and Tony and Randy and every and Alan and everyone ruined me for any other <laughs> projects that I tried getting into because I, it's like, if a cat couldn't keep up with the, or keep the temple solid like Tony, it was like a waste of time kind not, I mean, that sounds, I don't mean to be that way, but. No, but I, hard, I, I man, you know, you, man. we were, we were, uh, 
spoiled. Both you and I, like, I think yeah. uh, came into a very similar situation with the best rhythm section that I've ever known. Um, and that was my <laughs> first, it wasn't my first band, but it was my first band that like, I was like the, the core songwriter to where it was like, Hey, I need people to play with. And it was them. It was Ethan and Tony. And it like that. It, it's very, very hard, high bar to set. It is, man. And it definitely makes it hard when you get with guys who just aren't at the same level, you know? So my, basically, um, I, I gig on my own and then Randy, I mean, you saw Randy and I play and how quick that guy can pull out a solo and yeah. how connected we were, you know, it was like, he was my, my extra limb and I was his rhythm limb and he was my lead limb. And it's like, so I just record and I send tracks to these guys and, you know, but I see you guys playing and I'm always like, man, and the day will come when I get out there and we can do a little jam. And you and I, do you remember the one time we jammed together? Um, was it, was that that Dose Trailer Park place? Wasn't in Arizona. Where I'll was? just tell you. <laughs> okay. Well, if you remember when I was living in San Antonio, you would hit up Austin often. And like two or three times we met up out in Austin and there was this one time that you were playing a show at someone's house in Austin. Oh, and it was yes. like, uh, yes, I do remember that. <laughs> Dude. Oh, that was an amazing night too. Those people are, they're still good friends. And those, that was such a good time, really? man. I remember that house party, dude. That was, that was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I brought my wife and, and they had their living room set up with chairs and yeah. got up and performed. And I watched it the whole time and I was I had a little shaker and I was kind of yeah. jamming along with you. And well, then and I the, got the up and we did like the, a sublime tune. Yeah, no, totally, dude. I totally remember. And the guy that um, owned the house was, uh, he did a lot of home brewing. So he had made like a couple special beers for like the, the occasion. They had set up like a little kind of a like, uh, little theater in their in their living room. That was rad. Yeah, it was cool, man. And I remember both of us were like, man, that was fun. We should jam jam some more, you know. But like everyone else mentions, man, it's just, you know, when you're in a scene, you don't hang out with other musicians unless you're playing with them. <laughs> and that was, I think, that's why we didn't really jam, you know. But um, I look forward to the day where we can get up on a stage together and, oh, yeah. and get at her. Oh, it's going to happen, my brother. I, I promise you that. You, uh, as... As this is all proven, uh, we're all we're all we're all stuck together for life. So I know, oh, I, know sure, man. I know we're going to be having these conversations when we are very very old men and playing oh, hell yeah, man. about other shows that we that we've done. Yeah, Ethan was definitely stronger than Gorilla Glue when it came to putting people together. Yes, he was. You know. Um, so, you know, the first question I always ask is how you met Ethan, but it's interesting with you because I've had about three or four people tell me how you guys met already. Meeting Ethan, uh, change, it, it literally changed the trajectory of my life, um, for, in so many ways, but the, the, the main way that it all happened, I, I was, I was, I had come back to Phoenix for uh, like a few months because I, I knew I was moving to Costa Rica, but I had come back 
to, and just to earn a bunch of money and just leave. I had no intention of ever actually coming back. Um, and I went, my, my, this girl that, um, I'd known since high school, but I was super sweet on and, uh, was trying to impress. And I, I was, I was a bass player for, for years and, uh, toured as a, as a bass player, never really sang much, but, uh, I wasn't going to take a bass to the beach, um, to Costa Rica. Right. <laughs> I was learning about right. songs. There's a couple Beatles songs, Dave Matthews songs, whatnot. But her brother was like, Hey, if you want to impress her, there's an open mic at this place that I work at in Scottsdale Park called Jilly's. And I know it's been, Jilly's has been brought up a lot. Um, and uh, so I went there and he, he was a, uh, like a bar back there and I'd signed up and I got up and played and I played a few tunes. And of course it was Ethan and Todd running the open mic. And uh, Ethan, of course, like I started Rocky Raccoon and he just, halfway through the song so i look over and there's a dude on the, the bass playing upside down being like no I'm, we're good we're good i got this i was like cool whatever man and uh we ended up playing a few songs together and it just clicked and i almost half forgot about the girl that i was trying to impress like because we were having such a good time but luckily she was impressed and uh i kind of went back over and he was like dude you got to come back next week i'm like i'm leaving man i'm gone and i'm going to costa rica and uh, maybe I'll see you. Maybe I won't. I did, I, it's not that I didn't think much of it, but I was like, wow, that was really cool. That was great. But I'm leaving. Great to meet you, man. Um, and I was kind of focused on this girl. And we, I ended up doing exactly that. I left for about six months to Costa Rica. And uh, I came back uh, after that six months. The girl had come out and visited me there. And I like was pretty much hoping like when I got back, like, I would have a shot with her and uh, fly back into LA and I call her. I'm just like, Hey, let's meet up. And this is before like cell phones and shit. So like there was like emails that of like, that would go weeks and be like, all right, cool. Well, I'll, I'll see you when I get back and get back. Why don't we meet at that place? Jilly's. And, uh, and I'd gotten better while I was in Costa Rica. Cause that's kind of what I did there. I was like writing and working on tunes came back and let's meet at Jilly's play some of this new stuff that I wrote mostly for her and like buying for her. And like, a, it was in my early twenties, like super romantic and trying to be all cool. And, uh, got there. She meets me there like a while before the, the open mic and sit down at the bar and she's pretty much just like, Hey, good to see you. I was like, yeah, Hey, good to see you. I can't wait to, to hang out some more. She's like, Hey, so, I'm in a relationship and it was like, oh, crack. Oh, I'm just like, oh, what am I going to do? I'm not sticking around Phoenix. I'm out of here. Like, so she bails like, and we're, it was all good. Like, whatever. I was, uh, I was sad, but it was like, all right, well, trying to figure out what's next. And I had no intention of staying in Phoenix. I really didn't. I was, I grew up here in Phoenix and was like, you know what? I'm, I'm out. What, where's my next adventure? I can't wait. And as I'm sitting there ordering another drink, uh, these two guys come walking in with a PA. And I'm sitting there with my back to them. I didn't really even really look up. And I, but I just hear two speakers clank down behind me. And a guy goes, Costa Rica? And I'm like, what? And I turn around. He's like, dude, you're back. 
And I was like, what? I was, I was blown away that this dude, A, remembered me from the one time I played it at his open mic and like just, and that, that night basically became my best friend, like for, for years, for, uh, that was 2000, so for 22, or not 22, 18 years, he became like the person that made me stay in Phoenix. He, he tied me into everything that like, it, it changed the trajectory of me, my entire life. I had no intention of staying. I still kind of didn't have the intention of staying, but we ended up hanging out that night till like four in the morning in the parking lot, listening to music in his car and imbibing and just hit it off instantly. And I was just like, this guy is, is my, he's my person. He's one of my, he's, he's my, he's one of my people. I'm going to know this guy the rest of my life. I knew that that night. And it ended up, and him and Todd, Todd and him ended up becoming a huge part of my life and still are. And that was, that was crazy. Man. Like it's, it's really, I can still picture as so much about that exact night because it was such like a uh, turning point in, or it's one of those like exclamation points in my life. Yeah, man, that's very cool. And it seems that, um, it seems like anyone who um, met Ethan, it was pretty, you're pretty quick to fall in love with them. Yes. Yes. You know, <laughs> he's a charming, charming man. And uh, just, as as it said, uh, and said it for eighteen years, he you can he he has the ability to make everybody feel like the most important person in the room in the in the world, you know. Like, and he had he had such a ability to be so attentive to so many people at once, and but also like just so connect, like so easily like to be connected to like he could find a common ground with everybody and and build off of that like that that would just be a quick foundation and then he could make you he could bring you into his world into his life and it was it was beautiful and that's what happened instantaneously yeah. and i honestly for the first six months of me being moving back, being back here in Phoenix and thinking about where am I going to go? He pretty quickly, like pretty much closed off those roads and was like, you're staying here, man. You're going to be, you're going to be a musician <laughs> and you and I are going to do yeah. some stuff. We're going to have some fun. Even to the point where, um, he, I mean, him and Todd started getting, giving me like gigs. They were like, oh, we can't make it to this one. So you're going to go play this one. I was like, I'm not like a gigging. I'm not a singer songwriter, man. I'm a bass player. Cause so I would come back and I was like, I want to get in a band. I want to play bass. He's like, I'm a bass player. You're a songwriter, man. You, you sing and you're great. But do that. You're going to make more money doing that. I'm like, well, that's cool. But I still want to be a bass player. He's like, be a bass player, but still do this. And I'm going to give you these gigs. And he got me the him and Todd would get me these gigs. And at one point, uh, within about those six months to a year, I had a, a, a tailor, this little baby tailor, and uh, this old Fender Passport PA, like the ones that like connected all to like one big thing and you could carry the whole thing. Oh yeah, I remember those, yeah. <laughs> those things, man. I had gotten one of those and uh, yeah. 
Uh, but one time, uh, like I came out one morning and my car had got broken into and my guitar and my backpack were stolen. They left the Fender Passport, believe it or not, but uh, they'd still stolen my guitar and a backpack mm -hmm. that had like all of, like it was the two most valuable things. They left all the other shit. They left my PA and all this other stuff, but the backpack that had all these songs that I was writing and and just journals and everything they took all that and i remember calling him it was like hey man i'm my guitar got stolen and uh i'm i don't know if i'm gonna i i might need to go get a different job and that net like that night i think uh, todd and him both showed up and both handed me a thousand dollars and were like go get a new guitar and wow they bought, they basically bought me the guitar that I still play to this day. It was a Martin D16 that I got to go buy. I ended up paying them back slowly, but surely, but they, uh, and I wish I had it right now, but, uh, Ethan made this fake dollar to go with it all. That's like, it's in Todd, we trust and like made all this cute, hilarious, <laughs> like as, as Ethan would do almost like the, the fake, uh, demo, the fake tape demo just with all these little funny innuendos as Ethan would do. He took the time to make a fake dollar just, just cause he was so loving and wanted me to smile and laugh through something so terrible as having your instrument, your favorite thing get stolen. And uh, they instantaneously got me a new instrument and were like, get back to it, go gig, get more gigs, go. Yeah. They were wow, out. dude, that's so that is so cool. Yeah, and, and I didn't know that part of the story. Yeah, yeah. I wish I I, I know exactly where that uh, fake dollar is. I have a a bin with all those memories, but it's not here. I think. That's so cool, man. And then okay, so so you met Todd and Ethan, um, and those guys encouraged you to start playing out, helped you replace your guitar. So then you're so then you're out gigging. But when did it come around to uh, how you and Ethan started playing together? Um, I mean, I, we would play together every Sunday at the uh, at Jilly's, of course. Uh, we started working up a few tunes, and that was great. Um, but also at Jilly's, other people were coming in, and, and this girl, Ashley Norton, came in um, and got up and sang with, with Todd and Ethan. She was, I remember, like the whole room kind of turned and stopped and was like, who's that girl? And at the time, I, th I think she was working at this place, Ferelli's, which was like a little movie theater restaurant place, uh, or like an eat-in, one of the first like eat-in movie theater places over off Scottsdale and Thunderbird. And they would all, the whole crew would come in after work. <laughs> and uh, she came in and of course, like amazing voice and kind of blew everybody away. And I had just kind of gotten my first like regular gigs um, at this place, Pasta Pomodoro around the corner and a few other little places. And Ethan and Todd were helping me out. But I remember uh, going up and asking that this girl, Ashley, like, hey, are, are you in a, are you doing anything? She's like, no, I'm not in any bands or any projects. Like, like, would you like to sing with me? And so Ashley and I started and she said yes. And Ashley and I started working up 
tunes and I'd have her come over to the places that I was playing and do some. And pretty soon it just became J and H. And yeah, yeah. And we started, we ended up starting to get, got that regular Sunday at Armitage up in DC ranch. And those were all some of our first gigs. And we, and that dude, Pete, that you mentioned before, of course, kind of got his way in. It was like, all right, I guess we're a trio. We got a bongo player that keeps showing up. And this is the dude. Uh, so we, we called ourselves Soulfish for a very, very short time. But then it ended up just going back to J&F. Uh, we we kind of, we realized that Pete, was, and I think Pete was hitting on Ashley. I don't know. Um, but all those stuff. Uh, so we recorded uh, like a, this live thing at Armitage, Jay and Ash. But we were like, man, let's uh, let's go in. We And we were writing a bunch of original songs. I had a bunch of original songs that I was working on and she had a couple and we started combining everything. And she she was a master of harmony, is a, a great master of harmony. And she could back me up on anything. And I, I was getting a lot better at guitar and, and playing good stuff for her songs and they're like let's record something we need a band so that's and the first person of course we talked to was like hey ethan will you help us like will, will you be our bass player and mm -hmm. this was yeah within about a year and a half or so of, of me being back um and uh it was like i i i'll be your bass player but i i know the drummer that you're gonna play with and it was tony king and really quickly at my parents' house, we got together for a few rehearsals, showing them the songs that we're gonna do. And pretty quickly, uh, we were all like, um, are we a band now? Like, is this, are, will you guys be our band? And they were like, yeah, sure. We're in like 12 other bands, but it's okay. Uh, we can be a band. <laughs> and uh, we, I'm probably screwing up the whole timeline of all this a little bit, but we, when, when we were trying to come up with the name of the band, my parents live on the street, Delcoa. And Tony King <laughs> kept saying, "There go on street door," just like in <laughs> Tony King way. We we're trying to come up with band names, which is the hardest thing to do to not come up with a dumb band name. But Tony kept saying Delcoa Constrictor, so we ended up shorting it to Delcoa, and that's that was how Delcoa formed. And we all wrote a ton of songs together. We Jay Poole joined the band, and it was. Uh, I, again, going back, like, I didn't know how lucky I was to have not only Ethan Newman on bass, Tony King on drums and Jay Poole on guitar, Ashley Norton singing with me. It was, it was like, I didn't know how good I had it um, at the time. I did, but looking back to now, from now, from the, the seat that I sit in now, like, and the guys that I, I still play with, Tony King, I mean, he's the, he and I are in a right. great band together with Matt Henderson, who is also a phenomenal guitar player. And if it wasn't for playing with Ethan and Tony and Jay and Ashley, like I, that was, that was like grad school, you know, like it was getting, it was like going from being the green kid, like being like, I'm an open mic to being like, I get to play with the best guys in town. What has happened? And and look in looking back, like it's it still blows my mind that I got to do that. Yeah, man, I can relate. 
you know. Yeah. You and I were completely in in a similar boat because we were both like sure. two songwriters that, and and your your songs are phenomenal. I, I was I was listening to uh, Body and Soul yesterday on my drive back from Sedona, and and whore and like listening to those songs and just like oh, fucking great songs. Luckily, they they saw that stuff in us because there there are so many musicians, hundreds of musicians in this town that are great that would have looked at us and been like. Go figure it out for a few more years, kid. Like, but Ethan, right. Ethan not only saw like saw good things, but he would he would nurture and incubate those things, and yeah. and very uh, in a very kind way tell you when you're not doing what what's probably like. Here's something that you could you could do with this or. Maybe change these chords, change, like add this bridge here. The Beatles would do this, like check out this thing. Like I remember there's a song Fishing For that he was like, check out this descending thing out of an A minor. Since we're playing an E minor, you could do this. And it was like, it blew my mind. And but he and he he would make it think like it was my idea. And yeah. And 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 continually say it was my idea when I know it wasn't. <laughs> right yeah man you know yeah i experienced all that too and you know the other cool thing about him is not only you know would he help you with your songwriting but with your musicianship skills yeah. as well like when we were playing when we were doing that stretch of tunes that or stretch of gigs at sugar daddy's you know we would have like a, a break in the tune where randy would be playing a solo or someone else would be singing a tune or whatever randy would sing a couple songs and Ethan would come up and kind of bump me with his shoulder and say, come here, like gesture to me to come here. And I'd stand in the back with him while he was grooving and he'd, he'd get in my ear and he'd say, listen to Tony's hi-hat, can you hear it? So yeah, he goes, see if you can play right behind every time he hits it. Yeah. You know, and, <laughs> and see how you do with that. And then I would I would do it and I could feel myself slip into a pocket. Yeah. And it was like, it I would light up like, oh my God, because, you know, my timing was just horrible. Like if you go back and listen to that first record, we recorded it live at Sugar Daddy. So there was no overdubs or anything like that, you know, and it's really hard for me to listen to it now because I was ahead of the, of the hi-hat, but I didn't know any better. But yeah, like you say, you know, like, most people at the caliber of Tony and Ethan would be like, Hey, you need a little time. Like you write some good tunes, but you know, you got to yeah. work on your timing and, you know, yeah. get back to me in a couple of years or something like that. Where Ethan, you know, he wouldn't do that to you. He'd say, yeah, let's jam. And he would do yeah. it while you were playing with them. Yeah. Which is so special and so sweet, man. And it, and, and right. Like it instills a confidence in, in us to, do better and you and and you learn it naturally organically well and the other wonderful you don't thing, even realize through all that time from that that first day at jilly's of him sitting down setting that stuff down going costa rica all the way up through i mean up until 2020 not only like musically was he a teacher he was just a like he, he like i we spent so many in silly fun Inter like and he he taught me so much like because 
we would have we would end up sitting in the parking lot after every gig or i would show up to his gigs go see tate all the time during all this whole time because and go see you guys play we'd always end up hanging out till the wee hours of the night and that was all all through this not only like the musical lessons that he would continue teaching teach me and also compliment me on that like as you talked about like it's it, it was the way he could make you feel like just that you know, that everything's going to be okay not only that but that you're doing everything right and keep being yourself because that's what he was always him it was always him <clears throat> and just keep being you and have fun and all the times that we would have together and all the the silly things we would do together are it's 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 all just this big haze of just that makes me so happy it's like i mean it's just like like a family member it's like you look back and like i remember my brother from when i was a tiny kid till i'm till now but it's like i like when you really sit back and think about your relationship with your brother it's a big haze like i i know i learned so much from my brother but that's exactly what ethan was uh he was my brother like i i consider him as much family as my own brother in in so many ways like he taught me so much he still continues to teach me so much yeah i agree with every single word you're saying man yeah it's very true um all you guys, you know, I think of you as family and, yeah. you know, even though we didn't jam together, just being around, I mean, I hung out with you a lot, you know, being around Ethan and it was always around Ethan. Dude, of memory just came back to me. It's not true that we didn't try jamming together. Do you remember when uh, Randy and I asked you to play bass and we were going to start a cover band and we went, we met up at Randy's house and yes. Tony. Yes. You yes. remember that? Yes, I do. We did like one rehearsal. It didn't go anywhere, but I do remember coming over to Randy's house that. over off. It was like 55th Avenue and like Bell, right? That's where you live. West side. That's what I mean. Like the avenues. Yeah, he was in the avenues, like 55th Ave. Or 59th Ave or something. Yeah, we coming over. I can't believe I for can't believe I forgot about that. And my big thing then was I had I was Play that new shoes tune. Boom, 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 yeah, boom. Yeah, the Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. What's that? Was that new shoes? Paolo Nutini? No. Uh, well, the band maybe that was a, a person in it. Oh, but the oh, 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 group that played that song was was I can't wait. New yeah, shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Baby, I, I can't wait. <laughs> I love that song. And I remember you doing that bass line. Boom, 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 boom. And Tony. Um, but that would have been cool if we had actually been able to gel yeah. that, you know, but anyway, but yeah, dude, it was all like family, you know, and whether you jam together or not, if you were hanging out with Ethan, it was just like, you know, and one of the things that, um, you know, and I know like, you know, when you said it all becomes a haze, it, it re reminded me of when I asked people, you know, now that I've been interviewing people, like I'll ask for specific gigs or specific memories and it's hard for people to, to to zero in on them because Ethan was so funny and gregarious and witty and all that it is hard to kind of 
nail down any one particular thing you would do. Yeah. You know, I, and I, but, have, I have so, cause I, I, and I'm, and, and in no difference from anybody else, but I, I have so many, like he, he, up until the, the day I, the day he passed, like I, he was an integral part of my life. I talked to him uh, daily all through like uh, a lot of the time through 2020 and that, and I, and there were so many memories of hard times and really, really, really crazy, amazing, funny times and times of us being in Delcoa together times of, of going to see his bands. I, I remember a lot of specific ones. Um, one certain ones that stand out. I mean, of course, the the first time I ever met him stands out in a huge way because again, it, it changed it changed my life. Uh, there are a lot of very funny stories, uh, some that I could and some that I shouldn't tell. Um, <laughs> I mean, I remember sitting and learning so many life lessons, and sometimes feeling like I was like we we spent so much time together at his house. I would come home from, I would be coming home from a gig and we would had, we would call each other, leave each other stupid messages all the time and sing, make up silly songs on each other's messages. And often if one of us would answer, um, he'd just be like, come over to my house. It's what is it? Two 30 in the morning. Like, yeah, sure. I'm on my way. And I would come over and we would watch movies, look through his telescope, and he would teach me about the stars. We would watch hilarious Monty Python movies or Team America or something and just laugh and listen to music. And he would teach, like every single time I was around him, I would learn something. I would learn how to tie my shoes better or why, what Victor <laughs> did in this Bella Fleck and the Fleck Tone song was so key wow. to, the, to the turnaround or why like why Mastodon was so cool or like, yeah, man. Like, and he, he was enthusiastic about everything and, and it, it really was uh, infectious. Like I picked up on so much that like I learned how to be a better musician and, and not only that to be better on stage because he could conduct a band like, he, he could conduct an orchestra while playing a bass solo and walk you through a song as we've all talked about so many times. And it was, uh, and I feel like I've learned how to do that. Um, I probably did it 10 times today of holding my fist up. Like we're ending this one right here. Go down to the, let's go down to the two, the minor two or like whatever it was. Like he, I learned all of that from me, from him. Yeah, man. Like when you say, like when you say that he was enthusiastic about uh, think just things in general, you know. Um, I always wonder what it is that people picked up from him. Like I, dude, I remember, and I could ask Ethan the same question because you turned me on to a shit ton of good music. Uh, Bob Schneider. Um, I'm pretty sure you're the one that turned me on to the Animal Liberation Orchestra. Oh yeah, totally, dude. And oh, and um. And who are the guys that did that song about uh, the general? That oh, Dispatch. Who were those guys? Dispatch. What's your name again? Dispatch. 
Dispatch. Maybe. Dispatch, dude. You turned me on to this. I mean, there was a bunch of stuff and we'd go over to the rhythm room and you would tell Ethan about a gig, uh, a gig and he would usually be gigging, but he would tell me about it. Yeah. And I remember being there with you and Todd watching Bob Schneider and it was oh, a you. gig where it was that one show where Bob Schneider was by himself. He had a loop. Yeah, yeah. Rapping. He was rapping and doing all this shit. And we were standing together and it was like, <laughs> oh, man. So, but, but you know, those guys in my life that turned me on to just a bunch. And, I, and there's at least three or four other bands that I learned of because of you or because you told Ethan about it. And then Ethan would tell me about it. We would, um, we would we would spend a lot of time of like I would send like if I heard of anything that was remotely in his wheelhouse and he had a very big wheelhouse like he was like a monster truck of a wheelhouse of music like you could send him. But what did he turn you on to? Oh, uh, like well, what did you what did you get from Ethan? Uh, I mean, probably Bella Fleck and the Flecktones was a very quick one that he was because like I I kept like from the for the first year that I was back I was like I'm a bass player man it's like and it was funny saying that me saying that to him because he was a bass player and like he he right. <laughs> like you're talking about pocket you're talking about groove you're talking about living that both sides of of uh, harmony melody and 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 rhythm like like he was he he walked that line the best of anybody that i've ever known and he played everything so uniquely of course at, uh, upside down left-handed and could could play with anybody in any situation um but yeah he showed me like like victor wooten uh turned me on to uh like a lot of a lot of because i was i was really into like progressive stuff because or jam band stuff and but also like singer songwriter stuff like dispatch and these like kind of roots uh folky funky kind of things um that ben harper oh yeah totally totally and I would, we would always try to one up each other in a lot of ways. Cause I was a nerd and I would, I would, but I was in a different vein. Like he, he was like, like he, he would try to turn me on to like some of the Mexican metal that you talk about. And like, he would, we would, we would go way, go way down like metal stuff. Cause my brother was a metal head and we would, uh, <clears throat> but, and, but he would school me on Lemmy. And like, I would try to school him on fish or the dead or whatever. And like, we would just, and anything new that would pop up, like guys like Bob Schneider or anything that would come in our, each other's orbit, he would, he, but he was so always welcoming to everything. And there's not a lot that he would be like, no, nah, it's not my, not my thing. He would be like, yeah, right. he would respect it all but it might not have been like the thing for him at the time, but he would, he would always respect it. And it would always come back full circle. Like years later, he would be like, ha ha. I bet you didn't know Bob Schneider has a new record. I'd be like, I know. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, I mean, I mean, shit, dude, 18 years of being in Ethan's life, you know, all that time. And, you know, another thing I'm envious of is the fact that you were able to still be around them, you know, because after I left, obviously, the extent of my 
contact with him was, you know, maybe a handful of calls throughout the year. And then every once in a while, I'd go back to Phoenix and stay at his house and catch up with him, stuff like that. But, you know, in all that time that you guys spent together, did you ever come across a situation where you guys didn't agree on something or you had a conflict with each other? Oh, yeah, totally. Um, How would you guys handle that? It was, I mean, it was handled like a sibling. I always felt like it was handled like siblings would handle it. We could, I, I don't think there was ever really like, like yelling and like, like, I mean, it was, there was never anything uttered of like, I hate you or anything like that. There'd just be like things like, I, like a lot of agree to disagree and just like, man, I love you. And I don't want you to go through this. It was usually about, um, things along the lines of um relationships like he was very concerned with me about certain relationships that i had with certain people and um i was concerned with him about certain relationships that he would have at times or or just things that he would go through and try to be there for him and we we spent a lot of time on his driveway talking through those kind of things um yeah but we never had like massive disagreements to where there was ever, but he would, he, he was always very honest with me. He would always tell me like, dude, this isn't what you should be doing. And I would usually almost always listen to him, even though I didn't always, <laughs> even though I didn't always, <laughs> as we do. Right. A sibling. It's like, it's like when you, when a sibling is telling you something, um, and I think the same way from me, like I, I always felt like his little brother in a lot of ways. And yeah, yeah thinking about yeah. it's pretty heavy. It is heavy, man. And you know, the first time that I encountered that with him, I had met this girl and from out of town and I brought her in and he took us to one of his watering holes up north. And then about a week later, he called me up and he says, I don't like this chick for you. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he's always so honest about that. Yeah. He told me exactly why. Oh, it, it threw me, it, it caught me off guard, you know, and I, and I didn't quite know how to navigate it with them because I was really into this girl and I wanted to could pursue her, this kind of thing, you know, and, and I didn't, I didn't agree with them, you know, but as time went on, he was a hundred percent right about it, you know, but I, I remember, I remember how I remember feeling like love about it because he actually took the time out of the schedule to call me up because he was so concerned about it, you know, and that was one of the first times that I experienced him, you know, giving me unsolicited advice or whatever. So I could see how he would be that way with you. Cause I know he loved you dearly. You know, yeah. So if he ever saw you in a bad situation, when he he saw me know. in a lot of bad situations, and he would call me out. He he didn't have a uh, um any inhibitions to like to call me out, and I love that about him. Like he was, he always looked out for my best interests, uh, even if I didn't listen to him or not. Right. You know, and what and another thing that goes along with friendship with him for, for, for damn near 20 years and being so close to him and having access to him for so long 
you know, I feel like you are definitely a person who's qualified to answer this question. And the question is, what do you think it was that Ethan valued the most in life? He valued, <laughs> he valued people. He valued relationships. He, but he also, he also valued, I think in a lot of ways, um, experience and experience through those relationships. He, I mean, he was such a busy, busy man. Like he, like Ed, you know, as much as I do, how hard it was to get him on the telephone sometimes or hard to keep him on the telephone. Mm -hmm. he, he would always answer, mm -hmm. but he was hard to keep on the telephone because he was so busy with relationships, not and relationships that he almost like, it's, it's, I feel like I'm not, I'm falling short in my explanation of how much he valued kind of being there for everybody, but also experiencing everybody and everything that he wanted to be a part of. And there, there were times that was probably at a fault, you know, like to where he would overextend himself and be like spread himself really thin. But it was important to him to fulfill his, uh, the things that he said yes to. And <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he, he, he valued, he valued coming through for everybody. He, he always wanted, he didn't want to let anybody down. Um, and he, he valued the, the, like, I mean, he was a love sponge and like, he valued mm. that he like sought out our approval or, and, and he would, he hated getting compliments because he would just give them back tenfold. Um, but I know that it, it was, he valued the experiences with everybody that had around him. And that's why he would say yes to everything. Like he would, he wanted to be part and, and, and follow through with everybody's need for him. And there was a lot of need and want for him. Yeah, there was. I mean, like again, yeah. like it almost to a detriment sometimes, like he would, he would spread himself very thin. Um, but he would always, he would, he would, he always made sure that he would follow through as much as he possibly could. Yeah, I can agree with your answer, man. That's, that's a very good way to describe, describe it. You know, I, I feel the same, you know, when I think of all the years with them and when I think about, what he valued most, you know, you did a good job at um, putting it in a, a word, you know, because it's hard. There's so many things he valued, but I think that was one of the top ones. What What was your guys, uh, whether you knew it or not, uh, when you probably didn't know it, but what was the last conversation that you had with Ethan? And I remember the last conversation I had with him was when he, he was, uh, um, I was, it was, um, of course, during the pandemic, uh, there were no gigs or not a lot of gigs happening. Um, and 
he and I would talk a lot very regularly, like the usual thing of like, I, and there were maybe a few things that I, but I was doing, a, a, I, I took on some um, work with uh, my friend's extermination, exterminator company. I was doing a bug work, like going and, um, <clears throat> I was driving a lot. And anytime I was in the car, of course, the first person I would think to call would be Ethan because especially on long drives. And he, uh, he had called me or told me that he had, uh, had COVID and, uh, we just, we, we would talk a lot through that whole time that he was at home. Cause he'd be, he would say, oh man, I'm, I feel fine. Can just keep testing positive. And, or he'd be like, oh man, I feel like shit today. I thought I was over this. Um, but whatever, that would be the, the beginning of the conversation. Then we'd just, of course, talk about whatever he'd ask about. Of course, he would ask about my family. He would ask about my kids, he'd ask about Miranda. He would ask about my parents. I would talk to him about Kathleen and Brad. And he, we would just talk about what was going on, which for him at the time was he was by himself, which was not somewhere that he liked to be. Um, he was stuck at home. And I remember that the, the last conversation I had with him, I can picture exactly where I was. I was sitting in the, my bug van, um, sitting out in front of a house, waiting to go ring the doorbell or go tell him, I'm going to go spray your house. But we were talking about, man, I can't wait for us to get back together. I can't wait for us to start getting gigs. We should start a project. We should, uh, let's go to Mexico. I think I remember even talking about in, in multi, I'm probably lumping a bunch of those conversations together. Cause I talked to him a lot those few weeks cause he was by himself and I was by myself in advance. So I tried to call him a lot and I would tell, I remember that was when the, the Mandalorian was coming up. And he got to watch some of those and we would talk about Star Wars and that I wanted to talk to him about things that would make him happy because I know he was he was bummed out and he was pissed off that he was by himself, that he couldn't be hanging out with his wife and hang out with his daughter-in-law. And um, that was, I remember those conversations, but I couldn't tell you exactly which one that exact conversation was because they all kind of lumped together during that time. And it, uh, but I do remember <laughs> trying to call him to try to cheer him up by talking about Star Wars and the Mandalorian, which is something that we, uh, we watched probably too many hours of Star Wars together. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I would always tell him, we would always end it with, I love you so much. And that always made me feel good. And uh, that he, yeah, that we were going to be doing something soon, that we were going to be working on something together. And Do you remember the last gig you played with them? Yeah, um, we did a... We didn't... Actually, the, no, the last gig that we played together, it was a little... It was probably... It was pre-pandemic. He sat in with the Uncommon Good. He was with us at the coach house. It was like, for the last full gig, I would show up at his gigs and like hop up and we do a few tunes. Um, but the last full gig we played together was at the coach house, with the uncommon good. And he killed it. He 
he was more prepared than any of us, <laughs> of course. And <laughs> fucking slayed it. And of course did Ed, like did the whole like I'm you know one of my favorite and I cannot hear this song without like and now I can hear it and smile a lot more. I used to have to walk out and like or stop a conversation, but if I hear the song Lay Down Sally, <laughs> that because he could he would I remember so many gigs like that I would be tired or not wanting to sing right that second. He'd be like, all right, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you 15, 20 minutes. Just play A, step back in the background. I got this. And we'd start off with Lay Down Sally. And he would go off into 20 other fucking songs. Like he, he would go into uh, Electric Avenue or, and I'm all right. <laughs> and of course, and it would have a dance move for everything and lower the face. <laughs> Dude, it would, be, it would just go off into, and, and the whole crowd would lose their minds because they would, he would play 30 songs in the next 15 minutes over the over us all just playing an a chord and every now and then he'd do like the little sign you know like go to the four or go to the five yeah. or, six, or whatever and would conduct us in the easiest way possible and just, all you had to do was follow but i remember that happening like I, I i don't think we were all i was tired of saying it i was just like ethan time for lay down south and like <laughs> it was fucking rad yeah, those, that was definitely one of my favorite things, man, to when I'd go see him with Todd or any other band that he was with when he would do his medley. And you know what was so cool about it is that it was always, it wasn't the exact same thing. Sometimes he'd leave songs out and he'd bring other songs in and it was always a surprise, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah, or like just in something you were singing, he'd just be like, hold on, hold on, hold on, follow me. And you just go into this little thing. Oh, it was so great. <laughs> the, the way he would change lyrics, I still do that all the fucking time. Like so many things mm -hmm. that I do on a daily daily basis in gigging that I'm playing still a lot every night, especially in the ones where like I'm playing it like somewhere where I'm musical wallpaper that, I mean, the, the one of the first lessons that I learned from him was like, you're playing music, man. You're not, you're not digging ditches. You're not, you're not answering phones in a call center. You're playing music. Like whether anybody's listening to you or not, make it fun. Like you're, you're, you're doing what you love to do yeah. and I would do it. And anytime, like I'm getting down, I'm like, Oh no, nobody listening to me or whatever. Instantly think of him and I'll, I'll just make it fun for myself or I'll practice, you know, like he would practice at those gigs and like, I'm going to play a song I've never tried to play or try to play it in a different way. He was, he always tried to make everything interesting. And, and if I can't entertain the people around me, I'm going to entertain myself and I'm going to have fun. Yeah, dude. Yeah. God, Ethan, man. Yeah. God. He was a master master. He was born to entertain and. Ah, fuck, man. He was, fucking unicorn man he was and and alan said it when he said that you know that guy or maybe it was mike mercer 
He did what he was meant to do. Oh, it's so there's, obvious. There's no other. <laughs> there, there is no other thing that he was meant to do. Like he, yeah. And we, and he had so many other interests. Like he could have been an astronomer. He could have been, could have been a fucking a, a literature, a, a teacher of literature. But he would, he, but he would incorporate political pundit. All, yeah, he would incorporate that all into what he does but he was he was the consummate entertainer and i don't mean like entertainer like like look at me crooning like but he he was the he he that he was just meant to shine and bring everybody else into that shine and make them shine as well like he was just it was he was meant to like just that that to imprint that shine on on everything around him like I almost look at it in like a cartoon way in my brain. Like I know that you, but I'm just like, like almost like a Midas touch kind of thing. I'm just, but like, but just with love, not gold, not turning things into gold, but turn things into love. I mean, it was like a Midas touch. Yeah, dude, for sure. You know, I was kind of telling you this earlier before we got started on our conversation, but you know, one of the hardest things for me, not having him around anymore, is that it's like he was just taken from us all of a sudden one day. You know, because I had my last conversation that I remember very well. You know, you have you can remember, and then we had no idea that was the last time we were going to talk to him. You know, but if you could talk to him one more time, what do you think you'd say to him? <laughs> um, I. I would, of course, first tell him how fucking grateful I am. Um, because I really am where I am uh, physically um, and also professionally, mentally, and so many, like, just, I'm just so grateful that his that I was touched with his shine a little bit um, and that he brought me into his orbit, which became such a, such a beautiful just trajectory that I never expected. Um, I would, I would thank him first and foremost. And I would, of course, tell him how much I love him. I would. I would try to make a fucking joke. <laughs> try to make him laugh. <laughs> and really hope that he laughed and came back with me at a joke. I might try to just even say Chucky Todd. A few times, see if <laughs> I would. Oh man, I I would as as often times like I would I would try not to let him hang up. I would try not to let him say, "All right, I gotta go." I would just keep talking, probably, and blather until I I wouldn't want him to fucking stop 
talking to me. Because that's what I miss the most. I miss our talks so fucking much. I'm so grateful for his presence in my life. Yeah. We're all better because of Nolan and man. There's no doubt about it, you know. And you know, you know what's interesting, Jay? Um, and and this thought just occurred to me now. You know, I've been talking to so many of our mutual friends and a, and a couple of people that I don't know so far. I've still got some people to talk to that I that I've never met who knew Ethan. But man, you know, when you think about it, it's it's almost like a cliche sort of thing where like, you know, guys who don't quote unquote make it in their twenties or thirties. They just kind of hang it up, you know, and they get married and have their kids and then, you know, have their have their memories of back in the day when they played. But so many people who who was who were touched by Ethan are still freaking doing it, man. Look at us, dude. We're like 50s around the corner and we're still at it, man. You're making beautiful music. Thank you. You know, I spoke. You know, I, I think about that. I was thinking about that today <laughs> that but there. Yeah. And, I, and he is one of the first people that comes in my mind. Not not that like he didn't make it. He fucking made it. And he made it all on his own terms. He wasn't like trying to be the next Victor Wooten. Although I know he would love to have had opportunities to have any of that kind of notoriety. But like, I don't think it would have been about notoriety. He, he, he instilled a thing in me because I, I look at success is that I'm, I'm supporting my I'm supporting my family. And he would always, always like leave me these messages. Um, I'm just like, man, you're doing it. You have you have two kids, man. You have two kids. I don't have any kids. You have two kids, and you're gigging, and they're still alive, and they're beautiful, and they're amazing. <laughs> they're amazing. And he would just like, yeah, like I could be driving home from a gig or or just whatever, like middle of the day doing bug work during the pandemic he's like man you're stepping up you're doing it like he would leave those encouraging messages and he was always the one doing it like he was working his ass off too and like he was playing three gigs a day and giving guitar lessons or bass lessons teaching kids who are now in bands that are killing it and gave all his time like and he 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 did it like I don't, and I always makes me feel that I am, I'm enough and I'm successful in what I'm doing because I am doing what I love. I do everything that I love so much for the things I love and we're doing great. Like, yeah, I'm not making a million dollars. I'm not on the cover of Rolling Stone, um, but I am, I'm doing everything that I love and I'm winning. Everything else is a bonus. Like everything else, like if, if I was, something more quote-unquote successful in a commercial sense or anything like that that's a bonus like i'm my my kids are fed i can hear them right now not wanting to go to bed um <laughs> and yeah I'm, I'm in in a house i'm i drive a car and every like i can put gas in my car my kids are fed and he would remind me that all the time um well, it's true, Jay. It's true, man. You are killing it. You know, dude, uh, your music is amazing, man. And it's like, I, I've, 
around since I met Ethan in 2003. So, you know, we, he came into our lives around the same time. And just yeah. the, pro- the progression, the progression of your musicianship, uh, musicianship over the years has been amazing to watch, man. Your songs get better. Um, I yeah, see all the gigs you're playing around, killing about it. Him and and the orbit, the that solar system of musicians, you included, like that we all get to be a part of. That that was the other cool thing about this scene here. Like I I left Arizona and I ended up in so many other music scenes before coming back here and meeting him and there was and things were like competitive or dismissive yeah but i remember coming yep. here and and him being like oh no we're i've got gigs for you i've here your mm-hmm. guitar got stolen here's a new one like it was i i was and it wasn't just him like i mean but he he was I almost like feel like this scene is a big product of people like him and people that he valued coming into the scene himself. Cause like he got a lot of opportunities and, and I'm sure people like, I I can't wait to hear what, what Stefan has to say about that. And like guys like in his early, early days of like, as is and Robert street and the things that he would tell me about, he did when he was 16 and 20 and, and coming up. He got a lot of opportunities and there were, there were a lot of cool cats that helped him along that he, I know also a lot of, a lot of it is his upbringing, man. Like Brad and Kathleen are, are phenomenal people and they had him and instilled so much of that love and lust for life and everything into, into him. And he's a product of, of them. And then his own, his own huge heart that he would, he would just put it into everything. Like all the bands, all the music, like, again, he was 16. He was, he was gigging. And then he went to ASU, finished, finished his degree. He went to, yeah. he, he ended up getting in the band as is because he just, sh- he went up to them and was like, I need to be in your band. And they were like, okay. Like, like, I guess show up and they, they, like he showed up and knew every song better than they did. Yeah. And like, that's just the dude he was. And, but that, but that he was, he was a product of the things coming up and the people that he met and, but he made that count and made us a product of, of him and the things that he had learned through all that. I really, like I said, he changed the trajectory of my life and continues to be a giant part of it, even though he's not right here with me. I mean, I, 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 uh, and I'll send these to you. Uh, I don't want to read them on here or anything like that, but when, when he passed, I started, and I don't do it as much as I like to, but I started just instead of a journal, I would just kind of like, and since I can't call him at night, I would just kind of write a little bit of just like, Hey man, you'd probably laugh at this or like just be a page or a paragraph or something like that. But it's more of just like a cathartic thing, but yeah. I miss him. Well, Jay, I miss him too, man. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today. And I, and I tell you something, man, 
Um, I know it's hard to sum Ethan up within an hour's time or so, but I'm really excited that um, you've agreed to get together with the remaining members of Delcoa and talk to me soon. I and do. I can't wait to see what you guys, what you guys shake out of each other's memories and minds. Those were some of the be fun. And like, I, I did not, I knew what I had, but I still look in, in retrospect, looking back, that was such an incredible, one of the best times of my life was being with those four people. And I cannot wait to get together and talk about our times together with Ethan, all the things we did. Well, I look forward to it, dude. And that's just another example of me, you know, all of us appreciating you giving so much time to talk about them. Well, um, I, this has been a great I, conversation. And I want to thank you um, from the bottom of mine and so many others hearts uh, for this endeavor. I know it's a, it's a, you're, you're doing so much and in such a, a beautiful, beautiful way. And I, I was, again, I, I think I told you before I was, I was nervous and anxious to not only just talk about all this, but to, to listen to others as much like, cause I mean, it's, I mean, as, as we've discussed, like he was such a big part of our lives and to have him not be here, I was, I was, I was kind of scared to talk about this, but it's been so beautiful and done so well. And there's nobody else that could have uh, made this so, so easy and about him than you. So thank you. Right on Jay. Thanks for saying that, man. But you know what? I can't do it alone. All yeah. you guys being able to, talk to me you know it's just it's a testament to just how much we loved Ethan and what a special person he was man Same. I I honestly say I've never met anyone like Ethan no he was ever a, I, I <laughs> always described him like he's a he's a fucking unicorn man like he, he is yeah somebody, I will never a dragon a unicorn <laughs> everything everything that shouldn't exist that's what Ethan is <laughs> yeah dragon with with the lion's mane yeah. fucking hell well, yeah <laughs> listening to metallica while surfing down a rainbow that was fucking ethan man yeah he was a a satyr and a pegasus <laughs> <laughs> oh man but then you know and i really appreciate knowing you over all the years and your friendship and you know it's just like it's so cool, man, to talk to all you guys and, and to really sit back and think about it. I mean, it's, it's 20 years, man, yeah. you know, yeah. and, it, and it's cool, but it's because of Ethan. Whether it was before we started this or in the beginning, like, I, I love the fact that pretty much all the people that I know that you've talked to thus far, at, at least, and, and then are going to talk to, I'm going to know you guys the rest of my life. And that, yeah. I so much uh solace and, and comfort in that and knowing that like i know that you're far away i get to see like tony and matt and uh, a bunch of the cats but like i know like including like mike mercier and and everybody like whether i see them on a daily basis or we talk every little while but i know i'm gonna know you the rest of my life we're gonna have more conversations like this and get to play some music together which i very much look forward to and write some music together and just sharing some more life. Ooh. Amen. Hey dude, 
you said it, dude. It's starting right here, man. The Christopher J. Allen collaboration. Let's do it. Having game with me. Hell yeah, man. Let's write some music. I play. I, I love playing a, a songwriting game. Um, we can talk about it after this, so we don't use up too much time. But uh, we should play the game together and, and start uh, writing more tunes together. I'm down, Jay. You just let me know, man. And, you know, I, I uh, hope you have a good night. And, again, thank you for your time. And I, I'm looking forward to talking to you some more with, along with Jay and Ashley and Tony. Man. And, and again, thank you for doing this. And I, I look forward to just talking to you on the more on the regular. Um, and you're in Green Bay, correct? Sure. I'm about two hours uh, north of Green Bay, right on the border of where North Wisconsin hits Upper Michigan. Okay. A little town called Iron Iron Mountain. Okay. But I'm in Green Bay often. Yeah, my wife works in Green Bay, so um, we're like back and forth kind of deal. All right, man. Well, let's. Uh, I know that sometime in the next year I'll be out in Wisconsin, so let's uh, let's get together. Oh, you just let me know, dude, and I'll be there. Like a Michael Jackson song. <laughs> I'll be there. Love you, Jay. I love you so much, man. Thank you. And uh, much love, light, high fives and hugs. And I'll please give the family some love. And uh, here's to Ethan. Love you. Ethan, man. Take care, brother. Talk to you soon. It was very cool to catch up with Jay and listen to him share his thoughts and memories of Ethan. It's very apparent that he misses and loves Ethan very much. So I really appreciate him taking the time to sit down with me because he's a very busy guy. If you'd like to keep up with Jay, there are a couple places you can go. He has uh, two separate music profiles on Facebook. The first is called Jay Allen's Friendly Friends and the second is for his band with Tony King and Matt Henderson called JTM3. So check that out if you get a chance and see if you can catch Jay out live. I'm sure it's not hard because he performs often. Please make sure to join me next week when I'll be speaking again with Stefan Platamoni. He continues to give us a glimpse into Ethan's life and shares many wonderful memories and thoughts. I'd like to leave you today with a song from Jay Allen's band, JTM3, called Reason to Smile. Thanks for joining, and we'll see you soon. I just wanna be your
That's always what I'm going to do. Yeah, that's always what I'm going to do. That's always what I'm going to do. That's always what I'm going to do. 